Hello and welcome to the Grace Avenue Church Podcast. As you listen to this message, I pray that you're built up, encouraged through God's Word, and I pray that His Holy Spirit leads you and guides you in the way that you should go. I pray that He gives you answers for your questions, healing and help for your life. Most importantly, I pray that this Word helps you to become more like Jesus and a greater influence for Him in our church and in your world. Now, let's grow together. Enjoy the message. Great to be with you this morning. Hey, uh, just quickly as we get started, uh, for those who are visiting today, my name is Daniel. It's great to be with you today, and I just want to say thank you to friends and family who are here to support those who are being baptized today. Can we give them a hand? It's an important decision, a beautiful decision. Jesus said to be baptized, and so today as that's happening, uh, we, we celebrate that, we celebrate you, and uh, we're grateful for the family and friends that are here with you to be a part of that today. Um, we're closing out a series today. I have been in this series for the last couple of months. We've been talking about this concept of kingdom families, okay? What do we mean by that? Well, the, the message that Jesus came preaching, the message that Jesus came teaching and proclaiming was the message of the kingdom of God. If you quiz an average person and say, hey, what, what did Jesus talk about the most? They'll, they'll have different answers. And a lot of time, it's, it's the simplified, simplified version of saying, well, he came to preach about love or he came to preach about forgiveness. But really, if you study the Bible and you look at what Jesus says throughout the Gospels, he always starts most of the time saying, the kingdom of God is like this. And then he goes on to teach about love or grace or forgiveness or mercy or something of that, that nature. But he's teaching about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, same thing. And it's this concept that a lot of us don't always understand because there's levels to it, there's layers to it. And we've gotten into it before, but what I want to talk about today is what it means to be a family who loves God and wants to serve God. A marriage, a family, right? Uh, togetherness, building this thing that God has created, right? And doing it under the banner of the kingdom of God. How do I do, how do, I do the very thing that I know I want to do under the banner of who Jesus says he is and what he's called me to be, what he's called me to do? And we've gone over different names of God in this series. We started in the beginning and we talked about devotion and dependency, and then I talked about healing and deliverance, and today I'm going to talk about these two words, victory and provision. Everybody say victory. victory. Exactly what the Lakers don't and won't have this year, victory. And provision, which is what happened to the Spurs when we got the number one pick, God be glorified right now in this house. Just giving you a natural picture of what God is doing in your life. Victory and provision. Uh, and we're going to talk about two names of God here as we get started. The first name of God I want to talk about is Jehovah Nisi, okay? Jehovah Nisi, which means the Lord is our banner. He's our refuge. He's our victory. You ever seen pictures of people who've gone to fight for, in, in, for our country, and they're fighting in a war, and they're working to hold the flag up, right? They're doing this, right, because it's a thing of honor for our country, but it's also so that other soldiers can see that as they're fighting and engaged in combat and engaged in battle, that, that victory right now, that flag has not gone down. So, so victory is still ours. We're still fighting. We're still working, right? And in the same way, when we see that word Jehovah Nisi, it's, it's a name of God, but it's also an attribute of God, okay? And the name of Jehovah Nisi comes from the name of the place where God gave victory to Moses uh, where he was fighting the Amalekites, Okay, and, and, and Aaron and her held his arms up and kept his arms up and the, and the rod of God came forth and it was held up and as God gave him victory in that place, they named that place Jehovah Nisi, which then became an understanding to the people of who God is. He's a victorious God. He's our banner. He's our refuge. Okay, next name I want to talk about is Jehovah Jireh. Jehovah Jireh. He's the Lord, our provider. And this is the name that Abraham gave to the place where God provided a ram in the place of Isaac. Okay, God had tested Abraham to sacrifice Isaac. And when Abraham got to that place of sacrifice, God provided something. Okay, so you have a picture of a father and a son, and a father is sacrificing his son. This is an Old Testament picture of what the New Testament would bring as God our Father gave us Jesus so that we would not need to be sacrificed. We would not need to pay for our sin. 
we would be able to embrace forgiveness and righteousness, right? So these are some of the names that we find of God in the Bible, but these are not just his names. These are attributes of his character, descriptions of who he actually is. God is not just victorious, he's our victory, individually and together as a family, okay? God is not just a provider for the world through, of, of offering salvation through Jesus. God is my provider, and God together as a family is our provider, and God together as a church is our provider. Are you following me this morning? Okay? So whenever you describe someone, oftentimes uh, when you try to describe someone, you, you'll say, hey, have you met so-and-so? Oh, you haven't met so-and-so? Let's just say his name's James. Hey, have you met James before? Like, no, no. And we work around each other, but I've never actually met him. Oh, man, James, he is so funny. You've got to get to know this guy. He's one of the funniest guys ever, okay? And James doesn't describe funny. It's just a name. Are you with me? So the guy could be James, but he could be grumpy. He could be mean. He could be, we don't know what he's like, but his name is James. But until someone describes what James is like, you don't have a concept of what James is like, right? Okay. Um, with the names of God that we read in the Bible, these give us insight into who he truly is, who God truly is. Alpha, Omega, beginning, end, King of kings, Lord of lords, mighty counselor, wonderful God, everlasting father, prince of peace. Names that we hear at Christmas, names that we hear at Easter should not just be names that we hear around holidays. These should be names that we embrace daily in our walk with God. He is our King of kings on Monday, on Tuesday, on Wednesday, on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. He is who he says he is, right? So Jehovah Nisi, the Lord is our banner. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord is our provider. So when it comes to our own lives, when it comes to our own families, okay, when we speak the name of God over our life, over our family, we are saying, Jehovah Nisi, God is the victorious banner over my family, over my life, okay? If your last name is Martinez or Rogers or Jefferson or whatever your last name is, the Lord is the banner over the Jefferson family. The Lord is the banner over the Martinez family. The Lord is the banner, the victory over the Smith family. This is what God is wanting to give a people, not just a person, right? So much of what we hear about God in Western culture in the United States is, what is God doing for me? What's God's plan for me? What is my life, my path? Who am I going to marry? What am I going to do? Where am I going to go? What is God doing in me? And God speaks wholly, completely to his family, to his people. He says he calls us out of darkness and into light. Not just you, but me and the person next to you, all of us together. And it says that those who did receive him, he gave the right to become children of God. When we received him, he adopted us into his kingdom family, and now the Lord is not just my banner, he's your banner. He's your children's banner. He's the banner over your future. He's the provider for you. He's the provider for your family. He is the provider. Your job's the vessel that God uses, but God is the provider of the resource are you with me? Okay. So if you haven't, and you have, but if you haven't really hit hard times before in life, right? You haven't really hit a hard, hard, difficult adversity that comes against you. Um, where things don't make sense, where things are difficult. Um, places where you're saying, I've not been here before. Uh, how am I going to get out of this? How am I going to deal with this, okay? Uh, those times are where you find yourself in a position to learn who God is. It's in those times, because until those times, you hear about someone, God, who says he's this, but until you experience it, you don't know that for yourself, right? So, so when you go through deep heartache and your heart is broken, you hear a song that's being sung, and before, your hands could be in your pockets, and you're just kind of like, it goes over your head. 
But when your heart is broken and then you're healed, when they start singing about the healer, you listen to that differently because you have personal experience now in a God who's healed you. You have personal experience in a comforter, in a deliverer. All these names of God, Jehovah Shema, Jehovah Rapha, all these different names that are like, what are these names? These are so old, so Old Testament. Like, I don't speak Hebrew. I don't speak Greek. What are these words? These are names of God given to God's people. This shows us who God is. When we want to know who he is, we look at his word. When we want to experience him, we get in his presence. And when you hit those hard times, it is Jehovah Nisi and Jehovah Jireh that will change everything. Because Jehovah Jireh will be your provision in those times. Jehovah Nisi will give you victory in those times. Personally, experientially, okay? Have you ever had somebody tell you about a friend and, and they're always telling you about this person and you've never met him before, but you keep hearing about him, right? Oh, man, you, you, you got to meet Joe. Man, this guy is just, oh. you ever met Joe? Okay, well, when you meet Joe, he's just, don't be put off, but he's kind of grumpy at first, okay? <laughs> but that's just kind of how he is. He's just kind of like that. And then you get to meet Joe, and you're like, hey, he's like, hey, what's going on? And you're like, dang, is he? remember I told you, he's just, he's just like that. He's cool, but just give him a second. He'll warm up. And then you get to know Joe, and he's like, oh, okay. This is, that's just kind of how Joe is when you, when you first meet him, right? You finally meet him, right? But it's in that place when you fi- finally meet them that, that you start to get to understand what somebody was saying about them in the first place. Oh, Okay. That's what he's like. Yeah, somebody told me that's what he was like. Okay, in the same way, Moses and Abraham understood who God is when they met God in the places where they needed victory and they needed provision. And God teaches us who he is by taking us to places where he wants us to meet him. And a lot of times to the very places that we would rather not be places we would rather not go to, places we would rather uh, remove ourselves from the place, escape from the place, get high in the place, get drunk in the place, run away from the place, find a new relationship in the place, anything to avoid the place that God is trying to deal with something in me to show me who he is, who he is. Come on, Moses, they just got out of Egypt. Now they're in the wilderness, if that wasn't hard enough, slavery and wandering. Now he's fighting the Amalekites, and it's bloody, and it's vicious, and he can barely keep his arms down and, and, and up, and, and they have to hold his arms up, and as long as his arms were held up, he would find victory in the battle. But as they would begin to fall, the, the enemy would start to take them over. Okay? That is not a fun place to be. Enemies that want to destroy them, and then God gives them victory. So now, boom, immediately, things change. They know God as the victor. It's become a personal experience, right? Same with Abraham. He has the knife. It's raised over Isaac. Then God provides a ram out of the thicket. Out of nowhere, God tests Abraham with his son, which is a foreshadowing, again, remember, of God the Father and his son Jesus. And now God becomes real to Abraham in a new way, in a fresh way, in a true way, as Jehovah Jireh, the one who provided I know I said this earlier, but i got to keep saying it. Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah Jireh. We're saying, God, where are you? He's in the place. He's in the places you're trying to avoid. He's in the place you want to escape. He's in the place that you'd like to get out of, the place you wish you weren't in. Right? There are older people in this room, and I don't just mean older in age. I mean, I mean older in experience in the Lord who have, who have walked through things, and they will just say it like this. Oh, man, God got me through that. Oh, man, God provided in that season. Like, when was that? Oh, I don't know, like 1990-something. I don't know. Well, it was somewhere back then. But, man, God got us out of that one. Well, dude, give me details. What are you talking about? Like, that's so broad. What would happen? Oh, man, it was so long ago. But just, just you know, God got us out of it. Give me details. What happened, right? You, you want to know specifics. But God has become so ingrained in a person's understanding in their soul that they live and breathe the DNA of trust and faith in God. 
They can't even recall all the times and the things. They just know God has been with them from the beginning. They know he's been there. They know he's been victorious in their life. They know they didn't kill themselves when they wanted to. They know they didn't you know, give up in the moment when they wanted to give up. They know they didn't quit this, quit that. They stayed and saw God bring the victory. And because they stayed and saw God bring the victory, they now have a proclamation of God that is not theoretical. It's true. It's true in their life. But see, here's the thing about the Christian faith. You say, well, that's true for them. But it's not just true for them. It's true of who God is. This is what he says about himself. I'm your victory and I'm your provider. What you're looking at won't save you. Who you're looking at will. Look at him as your victor. See, look at him as your provider. See, one of the key things that God wants to break in us which that may be a hard statement for people to embrace, that God wants to break something in us because we see pictures of Jesus holding sheep, petting sheep, children on his lap, long flowing hair, wonderful tan, nice eyes, uses great hair products, always clean, sharp, ready for GQ magazine. Jesus is always looking sharp, right? In pictures, in art, in different things, in these depictions. And so we think... Jesus would never break anything. Like he's, he's just always calm and peaceful. He's smooth, right? But one of the things that Jesus wants to break in us is this, that we are alone and that we are self-sufficient. I'm alone, and what I'm walking through, I'm just going to have to deal with it myself. Or self-sufficiency. Uh, I've got to get through this. I've gone through hard stuff before. I'll get myself through this. And it's hardest when we are the ones who put ourselves in the very mess that we know we need God to get us out of. Ever been in that position? God, help me with what I just brought myself into. Help me with what I messed up. Help me with the mess that I created that I'm asking you to clean up. Right? God's trying to break in us that what we go through in life, is, it's all on us. And that's a real feeling for, for many of us. It's all on me. The money I make, it's all on me. This life I live, it's all on me. I, I, I'm the provider. I, 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 well, yes and no. Yes, you need to provide. No, because God is, is the source. You are the vessel. But if you don't open your mind to divine relationships and divine connections that God wants to bring into your life, if you don't bring yourself into the mentality that there are doors that are closed that God actually opens, that are, there are dreams God gives that you haven't even thought of yet, there are opportunities that God brings, there are things God takes us through that, that we can only create by our own hands, but when God's hand gets involved, things change. Things change. I don't say this as theory, I say this from experience. Over the years of following God, and, and until you've really gone through something difficult, so painful, so distressing, so confusing, so disheartening in life, and you're, you're, you're staring at it square in the face, not ignoring it, not avoiding it, when you, when you are forced to look at it, I can't escape this, I can't get high out of this, I can't move on to someone else, I can't move on to something else, I am forced to deal with this, that is the place you meet God. In new ways and in new, new experiences you never even knew were possible. And then you go through it. And then you get on the other side of it. And then you have the ability to declare and proclaim who God is and what he did. It's not a random God is love. Okay, how do you know he's love? Well, God is all, all grace. How do you know he's grace? God is forgiving. How do you know that he's forgiving? God is a comforter. How have you let him comfort you? God is a healer. Where has he healed you? How has he healed you? See, these are the things that become our testimony of our great God. These things pile up in our soul. And then we begin to live out of that place. Then we begin to speak from that place. And we begin to, begin to de declare from that place. Like when a little kid is just learning how to play basketball. You ever seen little kids playing basketball? And they're bouncing the ball like this, really uncoordinated. And these are their steps. Right? And then they start to get a dribble and it's little steps, right? Then they're actually able to, to dribble and run, right? Then they can put it through their legs and they can 
side to side, hands to hands, then they're moving, then they're shooting, right? Then they're not traveling anymore, taking 10 steps because they've learned the rhythms. God has rhythms. And he teaches us through his experiences that he takes us through. Those aren't lessons to avoid. That's something to embrace. Again, there are people in here who will say, you know, somehow, some way, God came through. God came through. Moses and Abraham found out through tests and trials. And so the tests and trials that you face show you who God is. Okay? Now, here's what we do as people. Are you guys okay? Yeah. Okay. Here's what we do as people. We often box God in to the results that we want him to deliver. Okay? Here's what I want, God. Here's what I'm going through. Here's what I need. You say you know this. I want you to fix this. I want you to change this. I want you to help me with this. Now deliver A, B, or C. Because those are the things that I've thought about that you could deliver. Either A, B, or C. And then we put God in places like that. And then sometimes he comes through and he delivers C. And you're like, oh, see, I knew it. I knew God was either going to do A <laughs> or he's going to do B. I didn't think he was really going to do B, but he could do B if he wants because he's God. But he did C. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> what happens when he doesn't deliver A, B, or C? Is he still God? The right answer is Yes. But the answer of the soul is, I don't know. I don't know if he's who he says he is. Because he didn't come through or isn't coming through the way I thought he would. He's not doing it in the time frame I thought he would. He's not doing it according to my mindset. You want to know how I, I, I've learned the attributes of God, that God is healer and comforter and deliverer? Here they are. Here's three of them. Betrayals, suffering, and sorrow. Sorry to depress you, but those are the three things. <laughs> those are the three wells that I've had to drink from to deeply drink and learn from so that I can understand in betrayals, God still loves me. In suffering, God is still with me. In sorrow, God is my healer. Now, nobody signs up for those classes, Right? Like if we say, hey, today, if you want to learn about Jesus, we have a great course for you. How to survive betrayals and suffering and sorrow. Go and sign up right there in the class, right? We'd have like two people that would sign up. And then one would read the details. Say, oh, no, I didn't want this. Never mind. I thought that's the wrong class. I thought I was signing up for something else. But we say, Jesus, make us more like you. And then Jesus takes us into places and spaces where sometimes we experience betrayal. And we say, hang on, hang on a second. Why would you do this to me, God? Why would you take me through this? And it's not like God's vindictive, but when we truly say that we want to be more like Jesus, we have to understand Jesus was betrayed. Jesus did suffer. Jesus was sorrowful. It says that he wept over Jerusalem. He wept over Lazarus. He was, he was a man of sorrows, right? Isaiah 53.3 says, he is, this is Isaiah prophesying about Jesus, the Messiah who will come. Look what he says. He's despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows. A man of sorrows? A man with deep sorrow? Do you think of Jesus that way when you look at the pictures? When you look at the art? He always looks at peace. But he is a man of deep sorrow. This is what he's experienced. A man of sorrow is acquainted with grief. He knows suffering and grief and sorrow and pain. He knows how to drink from that well. See, this is what Jesus wants us to see is about, about himself. He has been. He has been. Or we are. And he has gone through it. It says, you can too. This is why he gives us strength. It says we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. Come on, have you been despised before? Have you been rejected? Have you experienced sorrow? Have you been acquainted with grief? Have you hid your face from God before? Of course you have. We've all experienced these times. See, the truth is, we don't really want to be like Jesus. <laughs> we want the easy road. We want all of this without paying the price. 
I want to know what it's like, but I really don't want to go through it. You know what Paul prayed? That he would know the sufferings of Jesus. As much as he knows the glory, as much as he knows the victory, that he would also know how to identify. You're like, I'm not praying that prayer over my life. Okay, well, when you face betrayal and sorrow and suffering and difficulties, remember Paul. Remember Jesus. Okay, whatever you're going through, here's what I'm saying today. Don't give up. Jehovah Nisi will see you through. Whatever you're going through, don't give up. Jehovah Jireh is going to provide. He may not come through. He may not provide. And here's the thing. He's probably not going to do it the way you think. Okay? Now, here's our responsibility to King Jesus over our kingdom life, over our kingdom family, over our kingdom future. Here are the practical ways in which we respond to God who is our victory and is our provider. Number one, kingdom families, we honor the Lord. We honor the Lord. Like this is the greatest structure my life has ever had. My family chose to honor the Lord. What do we do on Sunday? We're going to church. Hey, but the game starts early. We're going to church. (laughs) My friend has a birthday party. We're going to church. Maybe every once in a while, we'll get out of it. But we're going to serve the Lord. We're going to honor the Lord. We're going to be with God's people. We're not going to church to get. We're going to church to give. We give of our service. We give of our worship. We give of our tithe. We give God the glory. We thank him for who he is. We assemble with God's people. We're not going to live self-centered lives. We're not going to live self-absorbed lives. We're not going to live according to the spirit of the age. This is who we are. We, within this space of this home... We honor the Lord. And it was a mindset and it was a structure. And then guess what? When I was 17, I didn't want anything to do with it anymore. That didn't have anything to do with my family. That had everything to do with the war in my own soul. That had everything to do with the choices I was making, right? So here's, here's what I'm saying. When we honor the Lord, we honor the Lord in all things. And it starts firstly with honoring the highest voice in our life, which is Jesus. His word, his Holy Spirit. We honor the highest voice in our life, okay? Why is that? Because we have social media voices. uh, We have political voices. Uh, 63% of you, according to the latest poll, listen to the Kardashian voices. (laughs) We have news personalities. That was a joke. Uh, It's more like, you know, 68%, okay? Uh, We have friends, we have family, we have coworkers, we have authors, we have mentors, we have people from the past, we have all kinds of voices in our life. None of them should occupy the highest voice in our life of King Jesus. No other voice. I'm not talking about in a combative way, right, (laughs) with your spouse. You can't tell me that, Janelle, because I heard from Jesus, right? I'm not talking about... Using God is like your trump card to, to, to get out of a fight. God told me I can go out tonight. You just have to deal with it, woman. Jesus said it's okay. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about manipulation. I'm talking about listening to the voice of God. See, everyone in, you could say amen after this. Everyone has an opinion about your life and how you should think and what you should do and how America should be and how the church should be. Hang on a second. Don't say amen that way. Okay. But if you're truly seeking Jesus, not your own wants, not your own desires, not your own selfishness, not your own lusts, then his voice is always going to lead you to the truth of green pastures and still waters. Always. It's always going to lead back to him. So what am I saying? Honor the voice of the great shepherd in your life. Honor the voice of the great shepherd. He says, you are the sheep of his pasture. You are his sheep. He's guiding you. Come on, don't don't put him on the stand as just a guy who gives advice in hard times. Let him be the great shepherd of your daily life. Let him be the great shepherd of your thoughts. Let him be the great shepherd when you're angry. Let him be the great shepherd when you want to go back into bitterness. Let him be your great shepherd when you feel you're being led into temptation. What did Jesus pray? Lead us not into temptation, which means what? Temptation is going to come. So God, don't lead me into it. Lead me away from it. Let me see the trap that's being laid for me. Let me see it, God. Take time for his voice. Be still and know that he's God, right? Honor the Lord. 
with your eyes, with your ears, with your thoughts, with your gifts, with your talents, with your money. I met a guy recently. Uh, I went to this, this coffee place, and there's a taco place next door. Surprise. And I'm sitting there getting tacos. And, and the guy starts talking to me about the, the, the tacos I'm eating and says, have you tried this one? It's no tortilla. It's just all cheese as the tortilla. And then they put everything in it. I said, my God, that is a creation of heaven. Tell me what... <laughs> How do they even do that? He goes, you want a piece? And I'm like, yes, I want a piece. So he cuts off a piece for me. And, and I taste it. I'm like, I'm getting that next time, right? Uh, I'll bring some Tums, but I'll, I'll have that next time, right? So we start talking, and he says, what do you do? I said, uh, here we go. Okay, all right. I'm a, a pastor at church. And it usually from there it goes, crashes into the ground. Or it takes off somewhere, Right? In this case, it took off somewhere, and he starts asking me more and more questions, and he's, he's talking to me, and he's asking questions about what I do, and, and he gets really encouraged. He's a really nice guy. He's a really good guy, and he's, he starts just kind of laying it out there, his testimony, and what he does, and how many kids he has, and he talks about how for almost the last couple of decades, he's been discipling people, but then he says this, and I was really caught off by this. He said, you know, but I realized um, just recently, as of, as of last year, I've been robbing God. Okay, that's pretty deep. I've known him for three minutes, and we've shared some cheese tortilla, and uh, that's about as far. But he's, he's burying his soul and saying, you know, I've been discipling people, but, you know, I- I've never trusted God with tithing. I've never trusted God with money. I've been robbing God this whole time. See, but, but he was adamant that he's been discipling people for almost two decades. But here's what actually was happening, okay? Great God, but what he was discipling people in is what he thinks about God and how he trusts God. He wasn't discipling people. I mean, and Jesus made this so clear with the spirit of mammon. He talks about this, which is money, right? The the spirit, it works to keep our eyes blinded from seeing God as our provider. Every time we can give but don't. Every time we should give but won't. Every time we might give and say, well, think about it, which really means we're not going to do it, but we're just going to say we're going to think about it. Those are the times When something is working to unseat us from our trust in God, and it's not just with money, it's with all kinds of things, right? How many years are going to go by in your life before you trust God as Jehovah Jireh? Are you with me? Okay, number two, kingdom families resolve conflict and forgive quickly. Kingdom families resolve conflict and they forgive quickly. Notice I didn't say this is easy. I'm just saying kingdom families resolve conflict. They don't leave the stench of conflict in the air. Okay? You ever come into the house and, and someone's been cooking something, it's so strong you open the windows, right? To, to, to clear out the house, to clear out the air. Our soul has to be clear of the funk. Our marriage has to be clear of the funk. The funk will come, but it's got to be clear. we got to air it out at some point because it's going to contaminate and make everything in this place smell. Right? I rode in a vehicle with a guy one time, and he had not ridden in that vehicle in three and a half months. And lo and behold, they had gone to Whataburger and bought four vanilla shakes. And they had put those vanilla shakes, in, this is in the early June, and July goes by. And August goes by, and around September, his other vehicle he'd used, and he'd gone out of town, he decides to come back into town, and he uses this vehicle. You can imagine what it smelled like, four rotten milkshakes, right? Check this out. We rolled the windows down and are going 70 miles an hour, and I still couldn't handle the smell. I said, get me out of this. I'm going to take an Uber. I don't even want to be around this vehicle, right? Okay? This is what happens when we let things sit in our soul and in our family, you don't even recognize how bad it smells. And it contaminates, and it contaminates. And it sits there, and it sits there, and it bakes in the sun, and it bakes in bitterness, and it bakes in anger, and it bakes in resentment, and it bakes in, here's what I'm going to do, and if she ever says this again, and if he ever says that again, and, and you're baking things in your mind that haven't even happened, but you're baking them there in case they do happen. In case they do say that, if they ever try that, anybody ever fighting fights they're not actually getting into just in their mind? Man, if he says something, man, I, da- I dare him to say something. I dare him to say something. Then you see him at work, you're like, hey, man, what's up? You see the game? It's good, man. 
We have to resolve conflict. We have to forgive quickly. Okay, I want to show you a picture up here. Uh, this, is, this is a picture of my wife's beloved dog right here. <laughs> this is Carlton. So we went out of town to Cancun the last, the last week. We just got back, and, and Carlton was somewhere else, and, and we brought him back, and like, they are like inseparable. Like, Carlton has been closer physically with my wife than I have <laughs> in the last eight years of our life. More physical contact and touch, right? So um, that's a whole other sermon, but I'll just say uh, that's her true love, right? And, uh, and, and we came back into the house, and man, he, he was so excited to see me, which usually him and I are kind of at odds in the house. There's always something, right? But this time, he decide, decided to, to show up in the house last night, and he sees my wife, and he hasn't seen her in a week, and usually, remember, she's usually like right by her side, right? I, I'm talking about by her side. When I come by and I put my hand on my wife as I'm walking by, hey, hon, what's going on? He literally comes to bite my hand. Like, that's how protective he is, right? And he's like, ready to fight, right? All the time, every day, every minute of the hour, every touch I put on my wife, every hand, like, do you get the picture? Okay, now, he comes into the house and he sees her, and he looks at her and he just goes, and just walks off. And for the last 24 hours, he's usually next to her. He's on the couch, he won't be around her. He has not forgiven quickly. He's holding something in his soul that is contaminated, <laughs> his precious little puppy soul. It's where he's at right now in life. Come on, let's just lift our hands and pray for Carlton right now, right? Lord, heal the wounded heart of Carlton, right? Like, my wife loves this dog so much. If, if, if me and Carlton got bitten by a poisonous snake and the doctor goes, we only have one antidote. <laughs> Who do you choose? My wife would say, I'll see you with Jesus in eternity. She would put it in Carlton's mouth. Kid you not. See, to forgive quickly, God has made us ministers of reconciliation. This is what the Bible says. God has made us. Okay? So we say, it's up to them to reconcile. When they make it right, I'll be good. But in the kingdom family that we now live in, God says, he's made us. Not them, us. Which means we have to be seeking reconciliation. Notice reconciliation doesn't mean restoration. That's another step. If God gives that, that's great. But we have the responsibility of trying to reconcile. Let me just say, let me just be as blunt as possible. When you do not become a forgiving person, people can smell it all over you. And you carry it everywhere. And it comes out in your speech and it sounds bitter and it sounds funky. And you, how do you know? Because I know when my wife tells me I sound like that. I know when I've walked through seasons like that. You ever seen really angry pastors like on television, like all the clips? Never, never good clips of pastors on television. It's always when they're saying something insane or something angry, right? But he didn't get there overnight. He got there because something was going on in his soul, Right? When we are together-minded and not self-centered, we can resolve conflict and forgive quickly, okay? And forgiveness doesn't mean that I now get a chance to manipulate someone so that they can forgive me again. It doesn't mean I get to use God, well, you, you know, I messed up, but yeah, you got to forgive, you know, it's just, we got to make this right, after I've caused a deep, deep mistrust and forced someone to drink from the well of sorrow and betrayal and difficulty, I, I don't have the right to demand that anyone forgive. Are you, are you following me here? I don't have the right to manipulate someone into the place where, where trust has to be earned. I have to look in the mirror and say, am I trustworthy? I know I'm worthy of forgiveness because God has accomplished that for me. But am I worthy of trust now with my brother, sister, with my friend, with my kids, with my spouse, with my boss, with whatever? It's in that place where I get to look in the mirror. I get to see God in that moment. Say, God, help me to become the trustworthy person you've made me to be. Help me to become that, Lord. Help me see you in this place. 
How do we get beyond myself? Number three, we grieve with hope. Kingdom families grieve with hope. We grieve. See, we suffer loss and we experience pain, which means we're going to grieve. Losing career, losing people, losing people we love, losing, losing out on dreams, things that didn't work out, situations that didn't go the way we thought they would, timelines that didn't happen the way they thought they would, and then that sends a domino effect this way, and it affects things like we're going to go through loss, we're going to experience pain, but grieving is not weakness, okay? And grieving is not unacceptable in the eyes of God. You know who's dangerous? People who don't grieve. That's who's dangerous, because you're creating fantasy, and you're creating fantasy that you'll just get through the next thing. Oh, it's not a big deal. I'll just get through it. But you're not really getting through it because it wounded you. But you say you'll get through it. And you say you're tough, but you're not actually tough because you're not leaning on something stronger than you to help you with the grief, to help you with the pain. And what happens is you overcompensate, and then you overshadow. And then the next thing you know, you blow up. And you blow it up. And it's not really this situation. It's the 10 that you haven't grieved. And like dominoes, this is the one that finally took you out. We have to grieve with hope. See, Psalm 147 says, Jesus heals the brokenhearted and he binds up our wounds. We have to take our broken heart. Every man and woman in here, we have to take our broken heart to God. We have to take our wounds to God and let him heal them. If we don't do that, we're not relying on Jehovah Nisi, our banner of victory in this situation. 1 Thessalonians says, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know that what will happen to believers who've died so that you won't grieve like people who have no hope? You know, my wife and I, we, we had a stillbirth you know, several years ago. I thought this son was going to be in my life. I had little Spurs jerseys and everything. I mean, I was, I was so happy. It had been just my, my other daughter for years, and, and, and I almost didn't want to get excited, but then you know, months in, I, I got excited. You know, and it's just the reality of how life went for us in that season. I had to learn how to grieve with hope. There's a lot of grief, but I had to learn how to grieve with hope. This was different. This is different than losing close friends. I lost a lot of close friends, pastors, different people over the years. But man, this was different. And like Moses and Abraham, I had to go into that place and learn that God's my healer and my comforter. Lastly, kingdom families pray daily. So that's very simple. Okay. It sounds simple, but praying daily, praying daily is so important. What did Jesus say? He said, give us this day our daily bread. Now, we're worried about next month and next year and what's going to happen and what's around the corner. Is God going to do this? Is Jehovah Jireh going to provide? Is Jehovah Nisi going to give me victory in this situation? We're thinking of all this peripheral stuff. You know what Jesus is praying? Because the disciples asked him, teach us how to pray. And he said, okay, our Father, we don't start with my needs. We acknowledge our, not just my Father, our Father, this kingdom family I'm a part of, God. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us, not just me, give us, me, my friends, my family, my employees, my coworkers, give us this day, God. We don't know what tomorrow holds. Give us this day, Lord God. It's humbling ourselves. It's humbling ourselves before him. Give us this day our daily bread, our provision, what, what I know I need, what God knows I need. God, give me the strength. And today what I need may not be money. Today what I may need is mental strength. I may need emotional strength. I may be at my, my wit's end. I've had enough. God, I'm at the edge. I need you to help me in this moment, this day, today. You know, every Sunday morning, before I preach to you, to Grace Avenue, I get up 5.36 in the morning, and I just start my day for several hours before I even get here. And it's absolutely silent. It's absolutely quiet. And I just pray. And I think about what God is feeding me before I feed you. I think what God is filling me with before I fill you. 
because I want to be a well that pours out living water. I want to be a well that's heard from the Lord. I want to be a well that's clear. I don't want yesterday's water. I want today's fresh living water. And you do too for your tasks and your family and your vision and your dreams and the goals God's put in front of you. If you only pray when you need something from God, then you're using God instead of knowing God. And there's a level of relationship that runs so shallow in that capacity and eventually you'll get tired of it and you'll move on to something else or someone else that can do that same thing for you. If we're not aiming to do these things, we're closing with this, 60 seconds. We'll never know the true names of God, the true meaning of the names of God. Jehovah Nisi is the banner of victory over your life and your family. Jehovah Jireh is the sovereign provider of your life and family. You'll never know the victory of living in honor or the victory of walking in forgiveness, resolving conflict, or seeing God be your provision in your time of grief or the spiritual provision that you receive from a life of prayer if you don't allow God to meet you in that place. Come on, let's pray. Today, many people will be baptized and God has become the victory, the banner over their life. Today, God has saved people and as they're being baptized, they're celebrating the beauty of his salvation, his rescue in and over their lives because he has provided something that mankind cannot provide, a way of forgiveness, new life, new identity, new hope, new victory, new trust, new faith. And today, whatever you're walking through, the same God that people are honoring today and obeying by being baptized is the same God that wants to speak to you. Wherever you're at today, whatever you're walking through, whatever season you find yourself in, be it adversity, be it sorrow, betrayal, rejection, unfulfilled dreams, things that you thought would go one way, but they went another way. God is still your victory. He wants to be. The Bible says he is the one who makes streams in the wasteland, rivers in the desert, streams in the wasteland. He makes a way where there seems to be no way. This is the God that we serve. My prayer is that wherever you are, if, if your hope has been defeated, I'm praying that your hope is resurrected today. I'm praying that your hope is resurrected. Do you know why I can speak to people from sorrow and disappointment? It's because I've allowed God to heal those places and take me through it. And what I can now offer and help people with is the result fearfully pushing through the storm. And like Moses and Abraham, you can meet God in that place, that place of difficulty. That's my prayer for you this morning. Lord, heal hearts this morning. Bring restoration. Help with conflict. Help people resolve, Lord God. Open eyes, open ears to hear you, to see you, God. Thank you for what you're doing in people's lives. Thank you for what you have done. With everyone keeping their head bowed and their eyes closed in this moment, I want to ask you today, if you have not made Jesus the Lord of your life, and today you want to do that, you want to walk in the truth of who he is as Lord and Savior of your life, 
I'd like to pray with you. Would you just lift your hand so I can see who I'm praying for today? You want to make that decision? So yeah, pray for me, Daniel. Thank you, friend. Anyone else? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You know, this this is um this is a one-time decision. This is this is what transfers you out of one kingdom and into the, the next. You don't have to do this the next week and then the next month. This is this is a decision where you become adopted by God. Before I close, anyone else who's saying pray for me, Daniel? That's me. Thank you, friend. Thank you, friend. Thank you, friend. Beautiful. Thank you. God says when he, when you receive his son, you receive the forgiveness of sin. He fills you with his Holy Spirit. Your destiny really begins. You come into his kingdom. There's a lot of big words, a lot of big stuff, but, but, but here's what it, it really means. You're forgiven and you have a new start. And we want to pray that with you this morning. Church, would you pray with me? Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for your life and giving your life on the cross. Today I receive your forgiveness because you died for me. Thank you, Jesus, for hope and a future. Fill me with your spirit. I'm saved. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, can we celebrate so many people who made that decision? Well, I pray that that word blessed you. If you'd like to know more about Grace Avenue Church or want to know more about how to be a part of what God has called us to here in the city of San Antonio, or if you'd like to sow financially into our vision and mission, please visit us online at graceavenuechurch.com. Thanks so much for listening. We hope to see you soon.